Praise the Lord. I got some news today. Oh, I really got it. Thursday, I think. This is an atheist writer. His name is Simon Jenkins. I don't know many atheist writers, but now I'm aware of Simon Jenkins. Simon Jenkins does a report on the Quaker church. And he says, the Quakers are right. We don't need God. The group is considering dropping God from its meetings of guidance. As it makes some people feel uncomfortable about God being there. This is, listen to what, what we've been preaching on. This is the new religiosity of the 21st century. The Quakers are clearly onto something. At their annual get-together this weekend, they are reportedly thinking about dropping God from their guidance to meetings. The reason, said one of them, is because the term of God makes some Quakers feel uncomfortable. I just quaked them right out of the way. And then it says this, atheism or atheists, according to a uh, Bringingham University academic comprising a rising of 14% of professed Quakers, while a four, full 43% felt unable to confess any belief in God. They come to the meetings for fellowship rather than for higher guidance. The meetings will uh, also uh, consider transgenderism, same-sex marriage, climate change. I think we preached all of them in the last three weeks. Yeah. Pastor, we didn't know you were so bright. You're right, you don't. And it says this, climate change, social media, and religion in a tiring, religion is a tiring business. Now, I'm not a Quaker or religious, but I have been to Quaker meetings, usually marriages or funerals, uh, and found them deeply moving. The absence of ritual, the emphasis on silence, and through the witness of friends seems starkly modernistic. Meetings in houses can be beautiful spaces. The loveliest I know date from 1700, which you know this guy was not there. But he's talking about some experience. He ain't never been back there in 1700. If he was, I wish to God he'd have died in that era. Some of you say, oh, I wouldn't wish that. I do. The enemies of God do not prevail. Get rid of your religious thinking. Listen, the enemies of God are the Antichrist, and they are seeking to destroy our faith. God himself is going to show up one day and consume them with his fire. Some of us are going to raise our voice and say, oh, I thought you was a God of love. God will say, shut up, I fry you too. Yeah, yeah some, sometimes people get so spiritual... They just get like the Quakers here. They just get idiotic. And it says this, And is lost in deep woods near Melford, P- 
power, poise, poise. Well, I don't know that's a place, but he said it is. It is a place of the purest serenity, miles away from road and with only birds to blend with the inner reflection. The Quaker's lack of ceremony and uh, literary clutter gives them a point from which to view the no man's land between faith and non-faith. That is the new religiosity. The new religiosity. Even atheists are recognizing the arise of a religion without God, without government, without assembly, without responsibility, and without accountability. And then it says this, and uh, gives them a point of view that no man's land between faith and non-faith. That is a new religiosity. A dwindling 40% of Britons claim to believe in some form of God, while a third say that they are atheists, but that leaves over a quarter in a state of vaguely agnostic spirituality. Likewise, well over half of the Americans believe in the biblical God. Thank God we got that first. Nearly all believe in a higher power or a spiritual force. What these words mean is now the subject of intense debate. What are these spirits in which these people profess to believe and how might they be appeased? Notice it's plural and it has no reference to God. It is, the, it is clear that most people no longer see themselves as residing or committed to nor subject to a church. Interesting. Yet many still turn to church in emergencies or time of trouble. When the world seems otherwise inexpendable, this was noted that after high, a high-profile death of Princess Diana and Jade Godfrey as the, what is it, socialistic grace Davy put in his book, Religion in Britain, the church is a sort of public unity, a fire station, or a pop-up A&E unto Davy. Many of the people are declaring a vicarious religion of what she calls believing, not belonging. Sounds like a lot of Christians. Oh, I forgot some of you out there today. Hey, hi, guys. Did you know you're heirs of the Britain? Society of Godlessness. Yeah, all right. And they knew not like church faculties and the handshaking, happy clapping, and sense of entrapment. They do not really seek God, rather mental and physical space to sort out their thoughts. No, that's called a bar. Yeah, and it's somewhere to find anonymity, anonymity. The option to come and to go without explanation, accountability, 
or responsibility. To move from one stage of commitment to another, this is to take to explain the continuing success of the cathedrals where the attendees have risen while those in church have fallen. In other words, they want to be identified, but they simply don't want to be active. It seems that cathedrals meet a, well, I don't know what that first word is, quiche, secular searching for solitude and inner peace, stimulated by great architecture and music. In other words, we want to worship the building and creation, but not the creator. Who above they offer anonymity, a character in last week's The Archers, whatever that is. What's Archer? Uh, Salt Solace, don't, don't tell me you watch it because I'm presuming it's not good. Solace in fictional Flipsham Cathedral to find somewhere she could be anonymous. At latest, Britain Journal of General Practice Survey suggests doctors are increasingly becoming used as new clergy. Doctor, Dr. Ogle, do you know you're, you're going to be a new clergy? Yeah, because you're not urology, urine tract failure is a spiritual deal. And it, then it said, by people who are not ill, but seeking something to give meaning and purpose to life. It would take a brave GP, I don't know what that means, general practitioner, to prescribe a dose of matins, M-A-T-I-N-S, what is that? Matins? Once a year, meds, we'll just say that. Once a year, but something spiritual is needed. In other words, what is needed? Anybody know? Otney Cockton. Is that, the, what, is that the name of it? What is it? Oxycontin? Yeah, that, that's what's needed. A little more Prozac to chill us out. We'll experience God. You'll end up worshiping a frog. And, and then it says, the boom of psych psychotherapy is no secret. As religion declines, so emerges a craving for therapy. Hallelujah. The 12-step movement of the Alcoholics and the Narcotics Anonymous has much in common with the Quakers. They're all buzzed. And then it says this, notably, I'm not making fun of alcoholics. I'm just telling you, it's foolishness to just believe in a higher power and not to receive Jesus Christ, your personal Savior. Notably, the emphasis on non-authoritarian fellowship. Remember, they love the power of God, they confess it, but they deny the right for God to rule them. That's what all of this is about, is breaking the rule of God. And then it says this, beyond lie, the wilder shores of mindfulness, meditation, happiness, courses, and holistic spirituality. And all this suggests that the purely physical aspect of our being 
being do not always meet the need of a fully rounded person. The Quakers have always been remarkable. They have always been disrupt, a disruptable force in the 17th century religion. They thrived through being persecuted and denying allegiance to the church of England. Their exclusion from Brits, Britain's first industrious bankers and uh, bankers. The Quakerism has declined of late, perhaps because there is no fortune in rebelling against any church. You can find friends on the web and take the place of your church. <laughs> Comfort is in the afterlife. How does an atheist believe in the afterlife? And making it has been the church's unique selling position since Lucifer. Now the church is compared to the devil. Did you hear what he just said? You, listen to what he just said. The church is compared to the position of Lucifer. If Quakers now find God uncomfortable... I can hear cries from the pulpits that discomfort is the point of Christianity. No, it's not. Comfort is in the afterlife, and marking it has been the church's unique selling uh, proposition since Lucifer and the papal indulgences. To Lucifer, it was a con. And what is not a con is the humanity quest for comfort in the here and now for therapy is in the widest sense of the word, the subliminal of, me. right, yep, there you go, I don't know that, offers more than emotional A&E unit. They offer places, the therapist does, so that you can be uplifted and that anyone can find it in themselves to sit, think, clear their heads, and order their thoughts. There is no need for gods or religion to rest and be refreshed. To that, Quakerism has added the experience of standing up and expressing doubts, fears, joys amid a company of friends who respond only with their private silence. The therapy is that of shared experience, clear God from the room, and the Quakers are indeed on to something. Rob, come up here. What is the, uh, uh, the movement in uh, England? Come up here, Rob, and give me a, be shorter than I was. <laughs> Anyhow, no. Um, <laughs> what? Oh, thank you. So what, what movement are you want to, what, what are you asking about here? Yeah, you know why you're asking me that? Because yes. there's a whole bunch of this trash going on. Oh, it is. There's yeah. tons of it. And yeah. Fox News just is not reporting it, neither is CNN. Yeah. But uh, what's going on in the uh, upper diocese where they want to... Uh, yeah, the, um, the bishop in England has called for discriminatory laws to be um, uh, enforced onto the Church of England because he feels that his fellow clergymen and women that are gay and lesbian and transgender are not getting a fair shake at their post as being passive pastors or bishops 
So he's, he's supposed to be the protector of the church as a bishop, but he wants the government to step in and impose discriminatory laws. Force the church. On the church, because the church isn't, he says, being progressive enough or you know, inclusive enough. And he wants it to be more inclusive, so he's gonna use the force of the government to do so. To bring the church to its knees. Yeah. Or to bring the church to defile itself. Yeah. So let me tell you this. If they come, we're not caving in. Amen. Amen. Yeah, that's right. We're not, we're not caving in. We're not going to give in. Not going to surrender. And uh, so just know this. We'll be meeting in the parking lot in the field, but we are not caving into that stuff. Right. Amen. I think every homosexual, every lesbian, every transgender person should get saved. That's what I think. God loves them just like he loves the sinner, the, the uh, fornicator. He loves them all. He gave his son for them. God's not a respect of persons. He's not against just that type of sin. He is for the redemption of the sinner. Amen? Praise God. Thank you, Rob. I'm glad you're smart. Hallelujah. All right. Let's turn our Bibles quickly. Man, oh man, hallelujah. I'm not going to get much done today. Hey, pastor, hey, hey, pastor, hey, Dr. Overlook, pastor, you, you get a pastoral call? <laughs> Go ahead, Doc. <laughs> hallelujah. And of course, you, if, you, if you need some spirituality for your ma mouth, you can go over here and see Dr. Jeff. Uh, he's a dentist, and uh, he will bring your mouth to his new spiritual high. <laughs> All right. Let's turn our Bibles to Hebrews 10, 23 through 25. And as you're turning, I want to make some remarks. The church. The church is a people who have responded to the call or the invitation to accept Jesus Christ as the only begotten Son of the living God. They have willfully made Jesus Lord of their lives. They are separated from the world, yet they have a mission to this world. The purpose is to reveal Jesus Christ, to unveil God to a world that is bound and sit in and imprisoned by darkness. Jesus came as a light unto the world. And so we realize that we have a mission. We have a mission to the world to show forth God's will, to fulfill his purpose, to serve him, and to serve others because of him. The church's mission is twofold. We'll get into another aspects of that. But today we're just going to emphasize twofold. The church's purpose is Mark the 16th chapter, verse uh, 15 through 20. Go ye into all the world. Does anybody know what that means? Anybody doubt that they know what that means? Everybody knows what that means. Is that true? Absolutely. Everybody knows what it means. Go ye into all the world. That is not an option. That is a command from he that is Lord of our lives. Disobedience to that is disobedience to all. Go ye into all the world, preach the gospel, and then demonstrate that Jesus is still alive by signs and wonders in his name. Now, you may not think that's important, but that is our mission while we are on this earth, okay? And uh, 
So we have a divine purpose, and again, that purpose is to preach the gospel and to demonstrate it in a supernatural way. The church is reflective of Jesus Christ himself. Somebody say the church should reflect Jesus Christ. That simply means that you and I are called to be the light of the world. Not to shine for ourselves, but to shine for his. Now, let's go to Hebrews 10.23. And let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. For he is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to do good works. Not, would you, can you erase that word? That not is just, you know, I read the other day, uh, they looked up for me a personal Bible. You know they make personal Bibles? Have, who's ever seen one of those personal Bibles? This is not a joke. Every place that a promise is, your name is put there. So Lincoln said, well, Papa, why don't we just invent that, a little Bible for today's churches? I said, what's that? He said, that we will put their name in all the good places, and then we'll just take out all of the places they don't like, and it'll be, it'll be personally created for them. If you don't believe in tithing, you just exempt tithing. You want to fornicate, you just take out. Fornication is allowed. God understands. And I said, you think that'll fly? He said, I don't know. I don't think I would do it. I said, okay, good. <clears throat> so, but I discovered there's a personal Bible. So I thought maybe we could take some of these words out to help the church understand and to you know, keep them happy. Remember, the Quakers, they want to be happy. And it says this. Now, I didn't write this. This is not 1 Peter Dosak insert. This is Hebrews 10.25. And it says, not forsaking the assembling of themselves together. That's one group of people. And then he opposes to people that disobey or that think what he's saying is not true. And so they, as the manner of some is. Now, why is the importance of assembling together? so that we should be exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. In other words, the assembly should become stronger, more unified as the end times come. Now, when we look at this, immediately people get bent out of shape. But let's go to uh, Luke 4.16. How many of you want to be followers of Jesus? I'll bet you that Jesus went to church. What do you think? I'll bet he did. And he says, and he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his... What does that mean? What is it? Tradition. As his tradition, uh, as his lifestyle, as his mannerism... He, as uh, was, he went into the synagogue. No way. On the Sabbath day, 
and he stood up there to read. Jesus didn't just attend the synagogue. He participated in the synagogue. Oh, wow. Did Jesus attend church? Really? He did at an appointed time. Oh, and at an appointed place. Is that right? Okay, all right. I'm just kind of wondering. I'll make sure that I'm on the uh, right track here. And then let's go to uh, 1 Corinthians 3, 1 through 5. 1 Corinthians 3, 1 through 5. Now, because when Paul writes this to the church of, uh, to the church there in Hebrews, and he says, which is a Jewish uh, church in that, he's writing to Jews, he says this, there are two types of people. There are those that are joining themselves together, and then there are those that have this perverted mindset about the assembly and about the church, but they need to wake up because we need to be joined together firmer and more closely than we've ever been, seeing that the times come. And then it says this, Now I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, hmm, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk, not with meat, for hitherto ye are not able to bear it, neither yet are ye able. For you are carnal. For where there is among you envying, strife, and divisions, are you not carnal and walk as men? Stop. Yeah, don't let them see the next verse. Notice what it says. You are carnal. You have envying, strife, and division. Are you not carnal and walk as men? And then it says, just remember what Paul wrote in Hebrews. There are two types of people those that assemble, and those that refuse to. Why do they refuse to? Because the spirit that is in them is carnal, envious, strifeful, and divisive. Go to the next verse. While one saith, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are you not carnal, who then is Paul? Who is Apollos? But ministers of whom you believe, even as the Lord gave to every man. For I have planted, Apollos has watered, but God gave the increase. Now, notice what takes place in the church at Corinthians. People start siding with something other than the church. And he said, now you started bringing out divisive things. Well, you know, I like Apollos. I like Paul. I like a, uh, this man and that man. What they did, now the whole basis of what they did was what? Carnality, strife, envy, and divisions. And it cripples the spirituality of a church. Look, just read it. I'm, I'm not making it up. I'm just telling you that's what it says. And in the church, people, people divide, bring strife and division, and create cells of carnality because they want to be different. No, you're not different. You're a part of an assembly. 
And it's not our options to choose what part we want, and it's not our option to create uh, sects in a local church. Could I get an amen? Now, I know that you all know that there's one pastor in this church. You might not like him, but I like him. God likes him. Absolutely, God likes him. He chose me. You may not choose me, but God chose me. And I'm the shepherd here. And there is one voice to this shepherd. But what happens is we get very limited when people want to govern themselves besides the government of the church. Now, let's go to Romans, the 16th chapter, and verse 17. And I know that you know all these things, but you know what? It's still my job to preach it. Hallelujah. Now, I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause division and offenses contrary to the doctrine. What was the doctrine of Hebrews 10.25? Come on. What was the doctrine of Hebrews 10.25? Do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Somebody say, that's doctrine. Absolutely, it's doctrine of the church and the doctrine of assembly. And it says, I beseech you, brother, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine of assembly which you have learned and avoid them. For they are such, for they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own what? By good words and fair speeches. <laughs> Boy, you don't get that here. Yeah. I just, yeah, all right, all right. Fair speeches. Deceive the hearts of the simple. Next verse. For your obedience is come abroad unto all men. I am glad, therefore, on your behalf, but yet I would have you wise unto that which is good and simple concerning evil. Now, what did he just talk about? He says, look, there is divisiveness and division and offenses that are contrary to the doctrine of assembly. I want to make it real simple to you. That is evil. That is, somebody say, that's evil. Yep, that's evil. That is evil. Now, what does it do? It divides the church. What is it? It is the work of the Antichrist. It is the work of the Antichrist when we have Christians. And most of them are not in our assemblies. Most of them are sitting home saying, I don't have to go to church uh, because I am the church. Well, we're gonna, uh, that, that, uh, we knew that was coming, so we got to deal with it. Amen? All right, so we see right here that it has come abroad unto me. I am glad, therefore, on your behalf, yet I would have you to be wise unto that which is good and simple concerning evil. So we see that when things divide the assembly or things that are contrary to the doctrine of assembly, they simply are carnal, strifle. Go to Acts 20 and verse 28. I'll give you another picture of what it is and what they are. Anybody know the difference between a sheep and a wolf? <laughs> 
appetite. <laughs> yeah. Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers. Now, a flock would insinuate to me a gathering. Right? Yeah. Okay, because I'm not overseers to people that don't attend church. People that don't attend church that are not sick or that are not disabled or that can come to church but don't come to church, those people are people that are stealing what God has given me through labor, prayer, and fasting, and they are takers. Uh, what is that? They're parasites. They add nothing and strip everything of its life. Now, they don't do anything with what they hear, but they absolutely take everything they can get, but give nothing in return. And the Bible forbids that because if an oxen treads out corn, then you are obligated to take care of the oxen. Right? So, if you're stealing from us, y'all be sending us an offering. Moving right along. Okay. Uh, made me overseers to feed the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. Next verse. I know some of you are. I, I feel your rear ends wiggling. You, you, you just, you can't, you, you'll be glad when it comes 12 o'clock, won't you? I got news for you. It's going to be longer than 12 o'clock. Now, and then it says, for I know this, that after my departing, some grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Now they come from the outside. Next verse. Did I? Oh, yeah, you did change it. Also of your own selves. Somebody say of your own selves. Shall men arise, speaking perverse things. Now, remember that they don't worship God. They are driven by their own bellies, right? Here it says that you speak those things, the sole purpose of speaking anything contrary to assembly and to leadership is to draw away disciples after them or after themselves. Well, I don't think, don't, don't try to outthink the Bible. Look, you see what that just said? That is the motive of all strife, envy, division, and offenses in an assembly. Right there. If I get three amens, I'd want to move on. But, and it, and it, it, they draw away. When somebody tells you a story, what, what, I was just offended that the pastor said this and this. What, 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 are you, what are they trying to do? They're trying to make a disciple of you. They're trying to make a disciple of you. Grab them by the hand and say, let's go talk to the pastor so he can tell us what he meant. They'd be saying, oh, I, I'm busy. I, I got to go help the widows, feed the poor, and, and I, I, I got things to do. Really? You out making disciples. And behind that disciple-making attitude is that carnality, that strife, that envy, that division, and that offense. Don't you wish you could preach this? I wish you were preaching this. <laughs> All right. Now, so we see when the Bible says 
forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as a manner of some are. In other words, when men assemble themselves, that's the will of God. But these that are carnal, strifeful, envious, divisive, and offended, those that are motivated by their own bodies, bellies, to get one thing, the disciples of the church. Hallelujah. When Phyllis and I first got saved, we was in the church, we went through seven splits in the first six months. What did you do? I stayed in that church. Why didn't you just leave? Cowards run. Cowards just run. They, they run. Bang. Ow. Nothing is worth value until you fight for it. I stood behind cars in car washes and heard deacons cussing my pastor. This was a charismatic Pentecostal, Holy Ghost, church. And he was a great man of God. He was my pastor all my life until he died and I did his funeral. And I'm proud to say I only had one pastor. Never had any difference because if I did, he just said, you're wrong. I'm right, Peter. Stop it. I said, oh, okay. And uh, he wasn't afraid to tell me when I was wrong. And uh, so what happens is these people right here, we have to protect the church from such. Amen. We have to protect the church from such. Phyllis and I went through seven splits, heard people cussing our pastor, and when he got sick, he went through the typical church response. We're cutting off your pay, we're throwing you out of your parsonage because you are useless to us. You can't do your job, you're out of here. Right, Phyllis? And that's not the first pastor that's ever happened to or that we've ever known. But, so we stood with our pastor. And we just stood with him. People would come to us and say, what do you think? We're not paid to think. We are sheep. We are committed to the voice of our pastor. He is the underling of the shepherd of our soul. And so if you don't have another person that was there and understood it the way you understood it, don't come to our house and talk. Remember when we hung that poster over our kitchen table and said, if you're going to talk about somebody, please leave and don't return. Yep. We were the most loved people in our church until we put that sign up. We couldn't find a friend. It's, that's the truth. Isn't that the truth? Absolutely. All of them were dog-dirty-mouthing the church. Now, I hadn't been saved very long, but I wasn't a, an idiot. Listen, I understood even running as the vice president of a motorcycle gang. That division was bad. You either take them out, beat them up, rip them of their colors, or send them out with one of the guys that had tear tattoos and say, we'll see you later. Yes. You think people put up with that? They don't put up with that. Only the church endures that because people want to belong and they'll belong to a group of one or two just so they are important in the group watch all right now about this time here comes the statement 
Someone makes a statement like, I don't have to go to church. I am the church. Hmm. Okay. Now, I do understand what you're trying to say. You're trying to say, I am the church. But you're just talking a half a truth. You're expressing a half a truth and you're expressing it in a derogatory manner to the doctrine of assembly, and you're expressing it. I'm sorry, folks. I keep hearing them rear ends. And I know you're nervous. That's okay. I know you want to, oh, man, I got to get out of this place. No, you need to stay right where you're at. I, I, can, I can handle squeaky rear ends. I'm, I'm right here. I'm, I'm not concerned about this. And then it's, now look, I understand what you're saying, but the church, you would say, isn't a building. And it's not. But it is an assembly of believers. And we'll find out if Jesus went to the synagogue, do you think that was, had any walls or a roof in it, on it? I'll bet it did. Oh, you're kidding. I think Solomon built one of them and God empowered it. I think David gave 400 million bucks to paint the inside of it in gold. I think God believes in buildings for assemblies to meet in. It's just the carnal, the divisive, the strifle, the envious, and the offensive that do not. If you got sheep or a flock, you've got to have a barn to put them in. Amen? But... It is the wrong application of a truth to fit your own anti-assembly attitude. Did you ever catch any of the things that we've been preaching on in that letter that that atheist wrote about those Quakers? They don't want to be held accountable. They don't want to be looked at if they miss. They just want to do whatever they want to do, and then they just get to come to church and meditate. They don't want God there because they get convicted. They just want to meditate. They want to be quiet. Don't go to Dr. Obalu's office. He's a urologist, and you hear people scream in that place. Ah! I'm kidding. <laughs> he gives a man a sec. But... Uh, so, we as the believers are a part of the church. Let's go to Ephesians 1, 21 through 23. Ephesians 1, 21 through 23. All you visitors, you probably think, oh, my word. No, I'm not a tyrant. I'm not over-dominant. Uh, I'm not any of those things. But I do believe the truth. And it says this, far above all principality and power and might, and dominion in every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in the world which is to come. And hath put all things under his feet, Jesus's, and gave him to be the head over all things to the church. Next verse. Which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Now, what is the body of Christ? The fullness of Jesus. All right? Now, let's go to 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter. Let's see if one person is the fullness of Christ. 
And we are, as individuals, we are called the body of Christ. And it says now concerning, no, uh, I'm sorry, I said uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 12. I'm sorry. And it says, for as, for as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit we are all baptized, the work of the Holy Ghost, the new birth, into one body. Whether we be Jews, Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, uh, and have been all made to drink into one spirit. For the body is not one member, the body is not one member. Now what is the body? Somebody say the church. So one member is not the church. And then it says, but many. Next verse. If the foot shall say, because I am not the hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear shall say, because I am not the eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where were the smelling? And now hath God set in the members, every one of them, in the body as it hath pleased him. Now we see something, that each part is referred to as a physical body. Now, is the eye the whole body? So, could one member be the church? No. The eye does no good if it's in a glass jar separated from the rest of the body. Thus, those that don't have to come to church to be a Christian. They are the church. I know what part of the anatomy you are, and that is the foot. What was you thinking? Foot. 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 All right, yeah. You're the foot. But you can't operate if you're not joined to the body. Oh, I don't need to come to church. I am the church. No, you're not the church. The Bible says in 1 Peter 2, 5, that we are living stones placed together for a habitation of God. You are not the whole temple by being one stone. Amen? You are not the church alone. Oh, but I made that say, I am the church. I understand the meaning. But the truth of the matter is, it's taken totally out of content. You are the church, but you also realize by the scripture that you're only a part of the overall work of God. Amen? Amen. Praise God. And uh, in the church... If you are the church, how many pastors are in there? How many prophets are in there? Uh, uh, are there any teachers on the inside of you? Do they gather in you on Sunday morning? No, you aren't the church. That is a charismatic, flowered up misuse of truth. All right, moving right along. The church is made up of individuals just like Jacob was called Israel. Remember? 
But was Jacob the nation of Israel? No. No. Who was the nation of Israel? The assembly of Israel. Right? Jacob had 12 sons that later gave birth to the nation. Jesus had 12 disciples that later gave revelation to the church. But we are no more all the church as Israel, as one person was all of Israel. So it's a far fetch when you make a statement like that and divide yourself from the assembly as the manner of some is. It's wrong. Amen. Hallelujah. All right. So without individuals, the church does not exist. But without the church, individuals have no purpose and very little meaning. Hallelujah. All right. So let's go to... Uh, Let's go to uh, Acts 20 and look at verse 27. Acts 20, 27. It's not 12 o'clock yet. Oh, man, Pastor, I can't wait. Me neither, because I'm going to turn it up at 12. Let the, let the bell toll. And it says, I have not shunned to declare unto you the counsel. Somebody say the counsel. The counsel. Somebody say counsel. Somebody say the counsel. Somebody say the counsel of God. Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers of to feed the what? Church. What is the church? The assembly of those that have responded to an invitation to come into Christ, Christ to come into them and to be a part of an assembly yeah hallelujah overseers to feed the church of God which he has purchased with his own blood remember Ephesians the second chapter is that the church is the eternal purpose of God and it says I know this that after departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you not sparing the flock what's he after disciples to follow himself right the flock. What is the flock? The church. What is the church? The assembly. Hallelujah. Some people wonder why I preach so hard and preach so emphatic. Because I'm watching for your souls. Yeah, I'm, I'm watch, watching for your souls. Yeah, let me tell you that. I'm watching for your souls. Now, we are here and we are put inside of an assembly for fellowship one with another. Now, having said that, let's go to Acts 2.47. Oh, I'm sorry, Acts 2.42. Because about the time that you talk about fellowship, what you end up getting is people then start saying that fellowship is the church. Fellowship is not the church. And it says, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship in the breaking of bread and in prayers. What did they continue steadfast in? I'm sorry, go back. Steadfast in the apostles' doctrine. Did the apostles go 
to every individual's house to teach doctrine? Or did they stand up in the assembly and talk? Yeah. The church is built, Ephesians 2.20, upon the doctrine of the apostles and the prophets. The apostles and the prophets are not in your neighborhood individualism believer's house teaching them. They come to the assembly. Now, okay, let's go now to, uh, who? well, let's read on. And it says this, And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were come together and had all things common, and sold their possessions and goods, and parted them to all men as every man had need. And they continued daily with one accord in the no, boy, that throw that word out. Can you get that out of there? Accord in the building. Woo. Breaking bread from house to house. Breaking bread from house to house. And did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. Now, let me ask you this. When they were breaking bread, what were they doing? Communion or dinner, lunch, what were they doing? The basis of it was, go back, the basis of it was, and they broke bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. So I would say that these men were coming together, eating together, but breaking bread together, fellowshipping one with another. Now, does fellowshipping take the place of your church? No. These people were continuing in the doctrine of the apostles. Now, there's nothing wrong with fellowship outside of the church, but fellowship never takes the place of a church. Fellowship does not feed the flock. Bible studies are great, but they do not take the place of your church. Whoever's leading the Bible study would have to be a pastor. Now, they do have churches that are in the house, as Aquila and Priscilla had theirs. And Paul wrote to them, and he acknowledged the church in their house. But it was a church. It wasn't a Bible study. In other words, Aquila or Priscilla was a pastor. They had a call. Now, if the person over your Bible study is a pastor, then let him call it a church because it's an assembly. Now, is it wrong to have Bible studies? Absolutely not. I would to God that we would all get together and study and break the bread of life together. But it is not to take the place of the doctrine of your church, and it does not take the place of your assembly in a church. Hmm. Oh, well, I just think, I, don't, don't get into thinking. Just read the Bible. Amen. All right. And they ate it with gladness, signals of heart and praising God and having favor with all the people and the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. And some would say, but see, they were uh, winning people to Jesus. No, they were praising God and having favor with all men and people came to that place because they had favor and people got saved. 
but the intent was to break bread and to praise God and to continue in the doctrine of the apostles. And people came in because of favor and they won them to Jesus, which I would encourage you that if you're in the church, you should be having people outside of the church come to your house and get saved. And get saved. Amen? That went over like a lead balloon. All right. Now, we are to have Bible studies. We are to have fellowships and so forth. And so there's nothing wrong with that. But don't ever think that it takes the place of your church. Come on. Hallelujah. And I think I'll, I better quit there, fellas. It's 6 after 12. You're rattling your head. Has your bottom been squeaking? No. Okay. All right. Hallelujah. Wait, wait. One more scripture and then I'm leaving. I'm sorry. Go to 1 Timothy 3, 14 just to verify that the church is an assembly and the church is at a place and the church is a materialistic building. These things I write unto thee, hoping to come unto thee shortly. But if I tarry, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest behave thyself in No, behave thyself in thyself, which is the church. Oh, okay. We behave ourselves in the house of God. What is the house of God? Which is the what? Church and assembly of the living God. And what does that represent? The pillar and the ground of truth. No individual is that. Assemblies, the house of God, the church is that. Yep, hallelujah. Yep. Next time somebody says, well, I don't have to go to church, I am the church. Throw them on the ground, get a Stanley steamer, and clean their carpet. We are the church, just as Jacob is Israel. But Jacob is not Israel. And we are not the church as individuals. Just as a temple is not one stone, neither are we the church by ourselves. Amen? The Bible tells us that we are to come together and that there is to be order in the church not in your life order in the church let everything be done decently and in order so we're going to get in that later these people are probably saying when is that going to be so i can miss <laughs> yeah no 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 you are not a quaker hallelujah amen praise god lift your hands up towards heaven hallelujah